0: Okay, here we go. Hello everyone, welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. The occasional uh, detour into other combat sports as I deem necessary. Or, yeah, it's whatever amuses me. My name is Robert Winfrey and I am your host. Thank you all so very, very much as always for joining. Um, I know the... Anytime you take some time off from a podcast, you know, you always lose a little bit. I don't talk about my numbers here very often. I didn't expect the last one to do gangbusters. It was fine. It was kind of fine for what I anticipated. First show back of the year after taking the last couple of weeks of 2023 off. And the first week, technically speaking, the first week of 2024, sort of, because lined up weird, lined up weird this year. January is a weird month in <laughs> this year, the way it's structured. Um, and it was talking about a card no one really cared about. Um, but this one I expect to do better. We're talking about a bigger event today, and thank you all for coming back. I know it's always I, it's one of the reasons I try to be very uh, forward and upfront about when my time has to be taken off about the schedule for this show Um, but 2024 is off and running and that's what we'll be talking about today we will be talking about UFC on ESPN plus 92 we'll review it how did the year start for the UFC and we will preview their first pay-per-view they're in Toronto and given the current weather oh boy I wish them well um, it is cold up there. Um, they're well into the negatives. Um, negative Celsius and negative Fahrenheit aren't actually equivalent, because you get negative Fahrenheit you are really cold. As for those of you who don't know, most of my audience is American. but The Fahrenheit system, water fr- freezing is 32 degrees Celsius, you freeze at zero. and. The Celsius system generally makes more sense. Um, The advantage to Fahrenheit is it actually describes... I heard it put this way. It actually describes the feeling. It's a lot more... um, Because there's a lot more room for specificity because of the difference between freezing, which is 32, and boiling, which is 212, something like that. I don't remember. It's over 200, but there's a lot of space in there to express differences that are harder to express via Celsius. I don't know. I don't. There's a handful of things from the imperial system that I actually prefer to the metric um, for a few reasons. I figured one of them out actually. Someone else explained this, and I liked the explanation. Part of the reason that certain like height um, or I actually prefer it for um, like certain volumes. I think gallons are more useful than liters. Just gonna be honest, I don't dislike having liters. I really don't, but I think gallons are more useful in a lot of ways. Uh, and part of the reason for that is you can, act, if you look at the imperial system, it's actually fairly easy to third it, which is just useful. Um, whereas thirding in the metric system is much more difficult so for whatever value that has but um the point there being like they're minus what minus 10 ish uh, up there Celsius so you know if you're in the United States 20 like, like, we're not quite single digits I've lived in some cold places, man. Uh, I've I've been negative Fahrenheit, and good grief do you want to die. So the, putting a card in Toronto in January was certainly a choice, is the long and the short of that. But we'll get to UFC 297 for a full preview. And the year will kind of be up and running a little bit. They're going to take, I think it's the last Saturday off. Yeah, so there's going to be... Spoiler for the next, for the closing bit here. Um, Yeah, next week there will be no preview because there's nothing on the 27th. This thing out of the way of the Royal Rumble, the WWE's uh, Royal Rumble pay-per-view is then, but there will be one the third, so we're kind of back in the regular swing of things now after the end of last year slash the beginning of this one. So that's on the agenda. Um, leave it to the UFC PR machine. to I have seriously debated. Whenever I've done this, it's never worked out. But the, like, when I, it, the UFC has a bad habit. I shouldn't say it bad, but they have a habit of releasing news around 30 to 40 minutes after I'm done recording this. I record this Sunday evenings. And I have postponed... Anytime I postpone recording this, so like... Because I live Mountain Standard Time, so I could postpone this to 10 and get... Like, that can be... you know So that's midnight East Coast. And see if they've released anything to coincide with the East Coast timeline, that technically now being Monday. Anytime I try that, it never works. Like, I almost never get anything interesting. But when it, every time it does, it's really annoying, because I have got everything uploaded, I've got everything posted, and then, and yeah, 20 minutes later... Hey, here's several fight announcements, and that's kind of what they threw at us last week. So we have several fight announcements to go over, some of the main events, some of them are just, UFC 300 is, uh, I kind of bagged on it a little bit, and the good folks over at Morning Combat, um, which I'm a fan of, have been for, uh, since they started, a little before actually, Um, but, neither here nor there. Uh, they they did like a mock UFC 300 lineup, and if you just look at who's available, it's kind of slim pickings. And I kind of echoed that point when I talked about it, but they've been filling out some of the card. So we'll talk about that, again, other fight announcements. A lot of fight nights got main events. Um, Dana White, is he's got to be pathological, because some of these that he announces with a straight face pretending to, that we should be enthused are just... I don't know how he does. I don't know how many takes he has to do for that. But so review, preview, news. You all know the deal at this point. So anything you can do to help out the show, like, comment, subscribe, star rating, written review. The only thing I ask for star ratings. Um, I don't think I'm a one-star show here. I don't think that's what this is. I'm not asking for five stars. If you think it is, bless you. Thank you. Feel free to rate your conscience. Only thing I ask is, I don't think this is a one star production. So, may not be the highest tier in the world, but I don't think I'm that bad. I don't think we're that bad here. So, any of that you can do um, sharing, tell people your social media platform of choice, your regular meet social circles, anything you can do in that respect to help out the show, always, always, always appreciated. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Sorry for the longer intro than usual. Uh, let's jump into it, shall we? So, UFC on ESPN plus 92. Uh, for those of you who missed last week's show and are just catching up to this one, I said last year I would do a thing this year where I keep track of my predictions. I want to get my uh, see how my rate is. Um, overall, I'll spoil part of this. Um, I think I'll open with this from now on if I'm going to be tracking this. I don't want to do it at the end. Uh, the 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 card reviews lose steam at the end. We start hot, decrease over time, which is fine. That's kind of how it's supposed to go, I think. But um, my predictions for this one: uh, we lost Manel Kopp versus Nicholas Mata. Uh, Nicholas Mata, sorry, he did fight. Uh, Matthew's Nicolau. Uh, Manel Kopp weighed 129 and a half for the flyweight fight. His second time missing weight in the UFC, they called it off. Not good um any fight that gets canceled does not appear on my balance sheet i do have a column for no contest so we'll keep track of that if the fight happens goes to a no contest i have a spot for it um but on the whole i got the year started okay i went eight and three um and one of those that i got wrong when i say i should have got it right i like i waffled on this one and i should have stuck with my gut because um, that uh, the Nolan and Mata since I brought them up earlier accidentally Um, I was I went with the um, I went with a pattern that they've been getting away from still holding uh, and should have known better the others I got wrong perfectly legitimately Um, that one I probably should have known better but c'est la vie, right? Live and learn. So again, on the whole, eight and three. I don't expect that ratio to persist. Um, I'll be thrilled if it does. I'll be absolutely thrilled if it does. <laughs> but I don't, I don't anticipate. I don't anticipate that. Um, my goal, for the record with this, my goal at the end of the year, I want to be better than a coin flip. That's really all I want to be. That's really my only, like, I want to be better than 50-50. If I can be better than 50-50, I'll be happy. Um, I think that would speak well of what I do here. Watch it be terrible, and I'll just feel like an idiot, but it's an experiment, and y'all can make fun of me for it on occasion. That's perfectly fair game, as long as you're not too mean-spirited. So, had a pretty good night on the picks. Okay, results, main event... In the light heavyweight division, Magomed Ankulayev knocks out Johnny Walker with punches, 242 of the second. Yeah, um, big takeaways from this. Ankulayev finally seems like he can deal with calf kicks, so good. Because um, <laughs> those... It's one thing for Jan Blahovitch to mess your leg up. Partially because he's a maniac. Who just... Dude, rewatch that fight. It's five rounds, I know, but... The number of times Blachowicz just kicks... Sh- when I say shin on shin, I don't mean like he's kicking the calf. I mean, like, straight up, bone on bone, shin on shin stuff. And just like, nah, this is going to hurt you more than it hurts me. And I, I'm betting you'll break before I do kind of thing. That's... Dude, that's some psycho stuff. If you've never, like, met with anyone or sparred someone who does stuff like that, they're, they're crazy. And... <laughs> It sucks. Like, hey, I'm doing the proper things defensively, and they're just like, nah, doesn't matter. That one thing for him to do it. Another thing for Walker to have as much success as he did with that technique. Seems like he's finally kind of figured some of that out, so good for Uncle Iev, who's got a lot of skills. Um, some sniping at distance. He got the better of the first round in general. Um, second round, as they're breaking a clinch, he just clubs in with a right hand drops him against the fence follows up with a right hand that kind of explodes Walker's nose Uncle I have wants a title shot after this Okay this division sucks I there's not another way to say it it's a terrible division Divisions have highs and lows in theory they're cyclical even the great divisions even stuff like bantamweight featherweight Lightweight, you get you get some fluctuation. The the truly great divisions, they fluctuate, but they keep a generally high level. That's what makes them great. Um, heavyweight's usually just low, and light heavyweight is just it's. I don't know if it or women's bantamweight is the worst division in the UFC right now, but it's one of those two, and uh, that's. It's just rough. I mean, let's consider this division. You got Pereira as the champion. I mean, let me just read these off for a second. So, you got Pereira, Jamal Hill, still injured. Yuri Prohotsko just lost to Pereira. Malgamat Ankalaev at three. Fought to a draw with Blahovic for the title. Speaking of Blahovic, he's at four, just injured his shoulder. He's going to be out for a while. Alexander Rakic at five. Rakic hasn't fought in over a year, recovering from a knee injury. He's got a return mostly scheduled, but still. Dude, Nikita Krylov's at six. Johnny Walker's at seven. Obviously, these are not... Walker might fall further. Khalil Roundtree's at eight. Uzdemir, nine. Anthony Smith at ten. And Smith's on... I'm not trying to bag on the guy, but he's on a pretty decent losing streak, I think. Ryan Spann at 11. Alonzo Menafield. There's some... Dominic Reyes is still ranked, good grief. The man hasn't had a win since like the year of the flood. Sorry if using that joke. Look, I understand that Reyes one of the only guys who at the end of a John Jones fight, I thought, you know, he I scored that for John in real time. It hinges on the third round cuz one and two for Reyes is very clear. 3 and 4 for John's uh, sorry, four, 4 and 5 for John is pretty darn clear. It kind of hinges on 3. Um, either hinges on three or hinges on four. I can't remember, but the point, it's been too long since I've watched it and I don't really care enough. The point being, like, two rounds each way are pretty clear and then there's one that's, like, you getting a little iffy. But at the end of that, I kind of thought, you know, John might have lost that. First time I've ever thought that coming out of a John Jones fight. But dude, he got stopped in his next, like, four fights. He's, you're, still ranked um and guys that you have reason to be slightly optimistic about alonzo Menafield if he can put things together but he's been inconsistent Azamat marzakanov might be on the come up but that's just a poor division there's no two ways about it so m- the point there being uncle i have wants a title shot okay cool whatever if Jamal Hill was ready, I'd say probably go for him, but he's not. So here we are. Um, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to... I don't know. But again, the division, just it's its not good. And Ankulayev has a lot of tools, but he's made some boneheaded decisions from time to time and didn't hear, got out pretty unscathed. Wants the title shot. Not like anybody else has a great case for it, so sure. Um, the original main event, or co-main event, excuse me, was going to be the uh, flyweight fight I mentioned earlier between uh, the rematch between Kopp and Nicolau, and obviously that fell apart. New co-main event was Jim Miller and Gabriel Benitez, and, uh, what it? sorry, before I move on, Um, Walker's been making some noise that he might want to move up to heavyweight and one bad division to another. I don't think that's going to change his fortune all that much. He eh, just kind of is what it is. But co-main event, Jim Miller defeats Gabriel Benitez via submission. Rear naked choke slash face crank. More of a choke than a crank. Um, If you're curious about the distinction I draw, personally, um, a face crank is more about the torque you put on the neck like the rotational force, rather than compressing. Because you can compress over the face and squeeze it back and compress the relevant blood vessels. Um, Whereas if you're cranking, it's just, again, it's torque on the neck. Uh, They're both perfectly valid ways to win a fight. This struck me as more of a choke, even if it wasn't under the chin, than a crank, but minor note. I did that in the third round, 325 of the third um, Jim Miller, you know what? Let me take a minute for Jim Miller here. This was his 43rd fight in the UFC. He has the most fights in, that divi- in the organization. I think he has the most fights at lightweight. He's had a couple of welterweight fights along the way. Let me check this. Assuming this has been updated. Um... He got another performance bonus for this, which I did. I'm fine with. Um, I think he still has the most wins in UFC lightweight history. Oliveira, no, he he does not have the most overall wins in UFC history. I think Oliveira has that. Um, no, he might still have that actually. Oliveira has the most um, Oliveira has the most finishes. Um, I think Miller has. Miller now has the second most submission finishes behind only Oliveira. Weird that those two actually have submission wins over each other. If you're newer to the sport, you may not remember this, but early on in Oliveira's career, Jim Miller knee-barred him. Uh, when they rematched years later, Oliveira kind of ran through him. But those two with this submission are now one and two pretty clearly. Uh, statistically clearly in that. Um, yeah, he does have the most bouts in lightweight history. If we include, um, like, all Zufa stuff, so that's UFC, Pride, WC, and Strikeforce, um, he's behind, in that case, um, Donald Cerrone and Andre Arlovski. Arlovsky had quite a few strike force fights and Cerrone had a you know a lot of WEC stuff um, but all of that and more importantly he is in 43 fights that man has never missed weight he's never failed a drug test to the best of my recollection he's never had a controversy This is a professional's professional. He shows up. He does the work. Um, And he's not a world beater at this point. Everyone knows it, and that's fine. There was a time when he was one of the like five best lightweights in the world. Um, Long time ago, but that that existed. For a big period of his time, career his only losses were to frankie edgar and gray maynard and we're kind of going back in the in the way back machine there 15 some odd years give or take but like that was legit for a while he he had a he, there was a period of time you could have put him in a title fight i don't know that he would have won it but you could have done it um now he's just an old war horse still out here banging him out this was a good fight uh after the fight he was asked you know so what do you want next he'd like to be on ufc 300 for the record he and brock lesnar are the only people to have fought on ufc 100 and ufc 200 and if he's able to pull this one if he if the turnaround's possible and this was a fight they hit each other but i don't think he came out of this injured it's not unreasonable that he could turn around uh so possible opponents, there's been this idea floating out there about Paul Felder um, coming out of retirement. He does commentary for the UFC now. In fact, he was commentating this event. But Paul Felder and Jim Miller, and I'm not going to say no to that. The other thing, he floated two others, one of them serious, one of them joking. He, kind of, he said, you know, I wouldn't hate not having to cut weight. I'll fight Matt Brown at welterweight, and Matt Brown seems down. He came out on Twitter and said I love Jim Miller. I'm down for that. It would be great and Because this thing got floated out there somebody said I forget who it was in the MMA media space So forgive me it was it wasn't a media member who said it But somebody else said yeah, I'm pretty sure Jim Miller could um, beat Brock Lesnar and So his third call out was the joking I got my Kamora. I can I can slay the beast of Brock Lesnar. And again, this is clearly a joke. Um, that being said, if you wa- if you did want to have a throwback freak show fight, no weight li- like no weight limits, just two guys, and let's we'll see who's better. There's no way Brock would take it. He makes too much money doing what he's doing. But that wouldn't be the craziest thing. I mean, it would be pretty crazy, especially for how the UFC conducts itself nowadays. But um, Miller and Felder, Miller and Brown, down for any of that. There were some people who started doing the, boy, I'd love to see him beat up Patty Pimblett" thing. Yes, I'd love that, but they're not going to do it. The, The way they've matched Patty Pimblett, this would be this is weird to say but this would be a functional step back for patty because he just beat tony ferguson and yes tony ferguson is now on a seven fight losing streak and that was a very clear setup for patty to get a win but you're not going to go from fighting a guy who was once one of the best lightweights in the world recently just four-ish years ago tony ferguson one of the three best two or three best lightweights in the world. Now he's very much not. But you're not going to go from that to Jim Miller. It, it doesn't make sense. Um I might pick Miller in that fight though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of guys I pick to be Patty Pimblet at this point. Um but I hope they can get Miller on three hundred. Um he again he kind of seems to want it not much of a reason not to do it. You get him the appropriate fight. Felder and Brown both work in those kinds of fights. I don't know that I like his chances against Matt Brown. The size differences would be a problem, but you're there for old, tough-as-boot-leather horses throwing down, and that's what that fight would be. So good win for Jim Miller. Um... Got to see Kane Velasquez in the corner of Gabriel Benitez. That was interesting. Um, but, eh. I mean, I, I'm not going to touch on Kane's thing. It's, there's too much potential legal liability, and I don't want to get myself in trouble. So if that was your co-main, always happy to see Jim Miller get to win. Bantamweights, one of my upset picks that paid off. Mario Bautista defeated Ricky Simone via unanimous decision, 230-27 to a 29-28. This is a darn good fight. A um, Little bit back and forth, but Bautista just got on the front foot pretty early. Good volume. Was able to wrestle with Simone when he needed to. Threatened a couple of submissions. Um... Simone had moments. Again, the momentum shifted a little bit during periods of time, but generally, Bautista uh, won this pretty clean. I was 30-27 for him. Uh, he's been impressing me lately. You know, uh, good on him. He should be ranked now. Uh, called out Rob Font after the fact. Where is Font ranked at the moment? once 9 Simone was 13 coming into this so one imagines Bautista will be at least 15 I would probably I would probably bump Umar Nurmagomedov up to 13 keep Gutierrez at 15 put Bautista at 14 and Simone drops out of the rankings entirely um but there's a lot of overhauling I'd do to some of Bantamweight if I had my way the rankings have fired my way, but I am uh, not in charge of that. They don't ask for my opinion. So I get to give it here. Uh, font at 9 is a bit of a stretch. I appreciate the call-out. I'm, I'm thinking about like how how likely it is that, that will be what comes about. And I think that's a bit of a stretch. Not impossible, just a bit of a stretch. But if you're gonna take, if you're gonna shoot a shot like that, you know, aiming for someone in the top ten instead of saying, "Boy, I sure would love to fight Jonathan Martinez." That's in some respects maybe even a maybe a worse fight for you against a guy who's ranked lower than Font. So I get it, man. There's some there's some calculations that go into that stuff. So uh, still excited for Bautista's upward trajectory simone we've kind of seen his ceiling at this point i mean dude got tko'd by uriah faber a couple of years ago like it doesn't speak well and i don't think he's improved he's improved some but there's a lot of stylistic stuff that he does that just this is kind of his ceiling uh based on all available evidence See, middleweights Bruno Ferreira defeats Phil Hawes via knockout, 455 of the first. Kind of as anticipated. Um, Hawes has some physical tools, but he just doesn't bear up under blunt force trauma. And I, I don't even mean necessarily in the like, you know, okay, so who does bear up under, you know, getting hit in the face by um, Bruno Ferreira all that cleanly. Fair. But anytime he encounters serious resistance or a degree of physical consequence to his mistakes, he kind of struggles to put things back together in real time. Uh, Fajera cracked him with a knee, followed up with a left hand that glanced off the temple. And if you've never been hit on the temple when you're already rocked, it is, ugh. you go down, you just do. Um couple more on the mat. Good win for Ferreira. Uh, heavyweights. Waldo Cortez-Acosta defeated Andre Arlovsky unanimous decision. 29-28 20 across 20 the boards. This fight sucked. Not a lot to say about it. Arlovsky does what Arlovsky does these days. You could have scored this for him, I think. Um, and Cortez-Acosta is just... If he can't get you out of there in the first round, he's got fast hands, and I give him credit for that, but he's a guy who... He's very used to a certain level of opposition that just falls over when he hits them. He has not really figured out how to get around, how to deal with guys who are going to be there with him. He's won some fights, but... He's won some fights that he hasn't got early stoppages in, but you can see the holes there. And... Dude, even two years ago, this version of Cortez Acosta versus like Arlovsky from two years ago, Arlovsky would have won this fight. Um, yeah, I'm not very optimistic about Cortez Acosta at this point. Maybe I'm wrong, but I got a call like I see it. That was your main card, prelims. Um, Preston Parsons defeated Matthew Semmelberger via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Decent little fight here. Some fun grappling exchanges. Um, Not great, but good. Bantamweight Marcus McGee defeated Gaston Bolaños via TKO. There was a bit of a head kick, then a wheel kick. Uh, 329 of the second. Marcus McGee is someone you should pay attention to. I'm not quite sure where his ceiling is yet. And I'm not saying he's got championship potential written all over him. I am saying that guy came in on short notice for his UFC debut up at featherweight and scored a win he was not supposed to get. Went down to bantamweight where he was much more suited and he has been doing this. Pay attention to that guy. He is no one to trifle with. Also at bantamweight, Farid Basharat defeated Taylor Laplace for unanimous decision 30 3027 uh, across the boards. Some good defensive stuff from Lapalus, and Basharat, he's got okay kicks. His punches need a lot of work. He's also hittable. Lapalus, if he was a bit more active, this was potentially there for the taking for him. Um, Basharat's got a pretty good motor. He was forcing wrestling exchanges over and over and over and over again because he did not want to be on the feet for prolonged periods of time with Lapalus. That's not where his advantage lay. Uh, Lapalus, exceptional job defending most of those. He just couldn't stop all of them, and he kind of needed to have stopped all of them. Um, good, good enough performance from Basradat, but there's some things here that he needs to work on and that other people might be able to take advantage of. Featherweight, uh, Gian Silva defeated Weston Wilson via TKO, 4-12 of the first. Um, Silva, just one of those, like, thudding marauders. Moved pretty well, but once he started landing, just clubbed Wilson into the dirt. Um, Silva, with maybe the record for the longest walk to the octagon, especially for something like the Apex his walk was almost as long as this fight and fight 412 His his walk was like 330 for a short distance like this man israel adesanya once came out to the undertaker's music and kind of with the hat in the urn he didn't walk quite as slow as taker did but that was a meme in professional wrestling for a long time and still is in some respects Dude, this nothing on Silva. Nothing on Silva. This dude just, like, you can't even meander that slowly. You have to be deliberately this slow. (laughs) Um, But he got a good win, so hats off to him for that. Um, The one fight, the only one of these fights that I got wrong that I think I should have got right was Nicholas Mata stopping Tom Nolan. 103 of the first. Um. Nolan coming in off the contender series, 6-0, young guy, undefeated. Thought they were going to be a bit more careful with his matchmaking, but Mata, he just been so unimpressive, but eh, I, sh- I should have known better. That, that's the long and the short of this one. Nolan just coming in on a straight line, open stance, gave up the superior angle to Mata repeatedly, eventually got dropped off of it, um, and that led to the finish. And kicking everything off, Joshua van defeated Felipe Buñes via TKO punches 4:31 of the second. Van's a bit of a slow starter, um, but once he gets rolling, man, he is—he is an avalanche. And he—that's what happened. Uh, and that's what happened here again. Slower first round, but second round just came out, pushed more of a pace, vicious body work. Relentless pressure, pretty good cage cutting. Um, Van's got a high activity rate. Uh, he's there's some stuff he still will have to clean up if he wants to, you know, go all the way. But at a bare minimum, for an exciting flyweight fighter, um, keep your eye out for Joshua Van. That dude is entertaining. And that was the card. You may notice I did not say there was a fight of the night. There was no fight of the night awarded. That is some BS. Bautista and Simone pretty easily should have been your fight of the night. That was a good fight. Um, instead, we got more bon- more performances. Uh, they went to Magomed Ankalaev, Jim Miller, Bruno Ferreira, and Marcus McGee. I'm not opposed to those. I'm, I'm just saying, man. Bautista and Simone should have gotten fight of the night. That should not have been a very difficult decision. And they kind of screwed them on that. Yeah. Um, My full report is in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. So if you want to go read that, there's clips of the finishes, my commentary, my live scoring, the whole shebang. Give it a read if you're so inclined. I always appreciate any support you can give me in that respect. So thank you very much. All right, moving on. UFC 297 coming your way this Saturday. Two title fights. One of which I think might generate some interest and one of which nobody cares about. Um all in all though, you know, credit to this card, all in all pretty good. This is not Gangbusters pay-per-view quality, but this is a pretty good pay-per-view card. It's, an, it's certainly acceptable. I don't know that I, if I wasn't reimbursed from buying these things, um, I don't know that I would be happy paying what the UFC is charging these days. But that's how much the UFC is charging. This, in the general scheme of things, this is a perfectly acceptable pay-per-view card. Um, main event for the middleweight title: newly crowned champion Sean Strickland versus. You're what should be the number one contender, but because the UFC rankings don't do it this way. Um, Drickus Duplessis. I, I've i gone back and forth on this one a little bit. Sean Strickland's performance against Israel Adesanya was one of those that made me rethink some of how I approach talking about uh, some of these fights. I'm not saying I ever would have picked Strickland to beat Adesanya. I am saying that I, I said that I didn't see how he could have won. I didn't, and I, I really sold Sean Strickland short. That's on me. So I, that one made me reevaluate some things. I am not going to discount Sean Strickland's chances of winning this. He's got okay power, good volume. His defense is a little bit weird, but it works. And, you know, the old saying, if it if it's stupid and it works, it's not really stupid. Um, he sh- shored up some small things that he used to do differently that got him in trouble. And he's a very good fighter. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea as a personality, but I don't really care. I'm here to talk about him as a fighter. His jab is a problem. We've seen him fight five rounds more than once. We know he can kind of keep a good pace. And... I'm I'm just not going to discount his chances of winning this fight. I'm not going to pick him, which is maybe an indictment on me. But hear me out here. I feel very comfortable leaning slightly towards Duplessis, <laughs> which is a weird which is a weird way of saying that. Like, I'm because I acknowledge that it's close, but I feel comfortable in even though it being close and where I lean there's a few things about this that make me lean towards duplicy i'm not sure whether or not this is going to be how it plays out but here's kind of what is making me lean towards him um we're above 170 so the age is not as much of a factor here that there's a stat line that's been thrown around and this has gotten worse over time but in the history of the UFC, there are only two instances of, a, of someone in a championship fight over the age of 35 winning. And both of those were Tyron Woodley. And that was so at welterweight. So if you go lower, 135 at the moment is kind of like this death line. Nobody at lightweight, featherweight, bantamweight, or flyweight has won a UFC title fight. Certainly a full UFC title fight have to double check interim but un- an undisputed title fight in the UFC nobody over that age nobody 35 and older has won a UFC title fight lightweight or below men's side and if we, again, if we include welterweight it was Tyron Woodley once against overmatched Darren Till and once against 40-something-year-old Damian Maya like Woodley is a statistical anomaly in this respect not to say what he did wasn't impressive, but it is—he is something of an aberration. You go to—you go above that. You get like middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight. It's closer to 50-50. It doesn't matter as much. So, point being, we're at middleweight. So Strickland being thirty-two, kind of in his physical prime, and Duplessis only being thirty. I'm shocked at how young Duplessis is. He's got a slightly older face, um, which should like don't take that as some kind of an insult you know I, I wish i looked as good as that guy but first couple of times i saw him like you know you don't you look a little older than you are and he came into the ufc at well, like 26 i think been in the ufc that long came into the ufc yeah 2020 so four years ago and he's 30. <laughs> Math's pretty easy there So the the age being in Duplessis' favor is a a small consideration, but very small. Um, Duplessis is a physical powerhouse in there. He's made some bad decisions moment to moment on occasion, but most of that he's kind of shored up over his last couple of fights in particular. Um, He's... uh, Here's the thing about this, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit with um, uh, one of the other fights that got announced, um, Benoit Saint-Denis and uh, Dustin Poirier are going to fight, which is a great fight, um, but there's a lot of people who bring up clips of, to this point, to Benoit Saint-Denis when he he made his UFC debut, which was like, up at welterweight against Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos when ZDS was still a guy that was not getting the credit he deserved and ZDS put a pretty serious beating on him. And So there's a bunch of people looking at that going, yeah, this guy is going to beat Dustin Poirier and that fight is not instructive. Uh, It's just not very helpful. And I I would not consider it all that informative about what you might see in that fight. I'm not saying Dustin Poirier can't win that fight. I'm saying if you watch that fight with uh, Saint Denis and Zosquito Santos, you will not get an accurate representation of what Benoit Saint can do. Similarly, there were a bunch of people who brought up this clip of Dricus um, Duplessis when he fought Brad Tavares. And he tried a lateral drop, and it didn't work, and he just kind of basically fell on his back, and Tavares got on top of him. It was the first round of their fight. And there were people spamming this clip going, I can't believe this guy beat Robert Whitaker. You can't believe he got better than what we're doing here? He got better. Was that a poor decision? Yes. Yes, it was. Guess what he didn't do again? He didn't do that. he, he sort of pull guard once in the Till fight? I don't remember. There might have been one of those moments in the Till fight, but, you know, it was more tactical than what he did in that. It was just a mistake when he fought Tavares. I don't think he did it against Brunson. Um, he went up on his back against Brunson, but I think it was more Brunson taking him down. But even then, if you compare how he reacted to being underneath Tavares or how he reacted to being underneath Brunson... He was active to get up both times. He was a bit more urgent when he fought Brunson. And he also hit a nice there was a bit of a nice guard retention thing that he hit from an empty half guard uh, against Brunson that so I don't want to get too technical here. But the point being, there's a lot of people who have dismissed they dismissed Sean Strickland and they've dismissed Dricus Duplace. Both of these gentlemen and their rises have gone largely unheralded and shocked a lot of people. I did not pick Dricus Duplessis to beat Robert Whitaker, but I took his chances at winning that fight very seriously. And he did. I did not pick Sean Strickland to beat Adesanya, and I should have taken his chances more seriously than I did. But the physical presence of Duplessis could be a problem. DuPlessis also good about covering more distance than you think. He has caught a lot of guys when they think they're at a safe distance because he can close faster than they expect. And he's got a slightly longer reach than you expect. It's not huge. It's 76 inches, and he's, what, 6'1"? So I think it's above average on the Ape Index, but it's not ridiculous. It's just... Between his arms being a little bit longer than you expect and his ability to close distance very quickly, he's got a good blitz. He's caught a lot of people off guard. And that will probably be a problem for Strickland. The kicking game of Duplicy does not get a lot of attention. I think that might be a problem for Strickland. Um, There's some of Strickland's footwork in particular that leaves him vulnerable to that. He was able to... Stop a lot of Adesanya's leg kicks you largely through pressure into just inside kicking range And he marched in with both of his knees high and a lot of what strickland did against Adesanya worked because he was not worried about being taken down That's a very fair Strategic and tactical assumption to make against Israel Adesanya That is not a fair assessment of what you can do against Drickus Duplessis because he will. So uh, Strickland will have to do, he will have to close distance a little bit different, but his hand fighting's pretty good, Strickland's. He's got a good front kick and that has stifled Duplessis at times, Uh, Whitaker, in particular, uh, bothered him a little bit with that. Um, He's he's worked on it, again, both these, here's the other thing about both these guys. Um, They are, at this point in their careers, They are very well-schooled fighters. Rewatch Strickland versus Adesanya. Look at what Strickland does that is very specific to how to fight Israel Adesanya. Some of that's there being a lot of tape on on Adesanya, and Eric Nixik has, uh, I think he's had fighters fight Adesanya in the past. I'd have to double-check that, but I I think. At least uh, Brad Tavares had. Uh, He might have had others. So he's a bit familiar with Adesanya and there's just a lot of tape on the guy. But Strickland was able to get some very specific things to neutralize some of Adesanya's preferred offense and that really shut down Adesanya and then Strickland wound up winning the fight. Watch the last couple of fights from Duplessis I mean, I mentioned the last two in particular. Um, the Whitaker one especially stands out in this respect. He and his team were very dialed in to Robert Whitaker's habits. Very dialed in. That punch that he landed that dropped Whitaker and basically started the end, that was not an accident. He had landed that punch or nearly landed it several times before that connection. He fought a lot of that fight Southpaw to kind of neutralize Whitaker's jab because jabbing from open stances is diffi- difficult. It's just different. Then jabbing closed. Then he would switch Orthodox to kind of invite the jab. Go back Southpaw, step in, bring his now lead hand straighter inside the slightly looping left of Whitaker. And, and that's what started it all. He got Whitaker down in that first round and uh, did some damage there. Uh, there's a couple of things, so I don't discount Sean Strickland. A couple of things that do need to be noted um, Duplessis has won, he has fought for titles and he was a champion outside of the UFC. But he's never been out of the third round. Um, his other title fights, he lost a middleweight title fight in his fifth professional fight. So this is back in like four, 2014. That ended in the third. He won the KSW welterweight title. For, dude, this guy fighting at welterweight is a crazy proposition, but he did it. Um, he won that by stopping Roberto Soldich in the second round. And in their rematch, he lost in the third. And then since then, this is his first five-round fight. Um, whereas, uh, there's something to be said for some of these guys in the Strickland kind of position who just have a lot of five-round experience because they'll take main events in the Apex in front of 20 drunk people that pay like two grand a pop to be there, if not more. And But going five rounds is a thing. And... Duplacy hasn't, and Strickland has. That's not nothing. Strickland's chin is it's been cracked not often, but it has he has been hurt in the past. Um Abu kind of got to him a little bit in their first round. obviously, Alex Pereira slept him. But his defense, he's figured out a system that kind of works for him. Uh, I mentioned the kicks of Duplacy being something that are going to be interesting. Um, leg kicks—he's got a—he's got a pretty good kicking game. You don't see it talked about a lot, but it's there. And as a—he—he especially his lead leg—it's pretty dexterous. But he has to take a step. As a guy with slightly messed up hips who can't reliably kick above his own waist without a step, it doesn't have to be a huge pen. I don't necessarily have to like full on displace or take a pendulum step. But i got to take a little bit of a step to get things lined up because my hips are a little bit weird. Um, I, I feel his pain. like you can. But he can get that up to the head. He just has to take a step first, and then you use the fact that you have to take a step to set up other things. It, it's a whole thing. Um, Strickland's kicking game, it's not non-existent, but you don't see it a whole lot either. Um, I imagine Duplessis will have a little bit of the edge there. I think Duplessis hits harder this is going to be a game of like can sean strickland absorb some of the blitzes and apply enough methodical pressure without getting hurt along the way to get this thing done and he might he very well might he's very good he's going to be well prepared for this fight duplicy is going to be well prepared for this fight i i'm i'm picking duplicy and I'm pretty confident leaning slightly towards him. Is is just kind of where I've landed on this. Um, I say this with affection. This is like our two meathead kings kind of running into each other. <laughs> um, but I think we'll get something at least moderately interesting out of this. It's more than I can say for the co um, For the sake of... Let me double check the odds real fast because I've been doing that lately. Um, what do we have for this fight? Um most places actually have Sean Strickland, a slight favorite. I can see it. I can absolutely see it. I mean we're talking like minus one thirty five plus one fifteen area here, like super close, which that tracks for me. And I'm so then I can see how Sean wins this fight. I really can. And I am not discounting that at all. I'm just leaning towards duplicy here. And if I'm wrong, so be it. Keeping track, so we'll all know. Um, Co-main event, I don't care about this. Dude, even Buena Silva, like she was in the did an interview recently where she said, like I'm excited to fight for the belt, but I know no one cares about this fight. Uh, Myra Buena Silva versus Raquel Pennington for the vacant women's bantamweight title. I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sure both women are training hard. I just I haven't cared about Raquel Pennington ever. Um, I lived through her first title fight with Amanda Nunes. That was a massacre. I lived through her missing weight when she fought Jermaine Durandamy. to um, She's on a good winning streak. She just hasn't fought in about a, in a year today, actually. I don't think she, I did not score that Ketlin Vieira fight for her. Uh, for the record. But this division is just so bad that yeah, I mean I mean, for crying out loud, Myra Buena Silva isn't coming off a win. She's coming off a no contest after she failed a drug test. Granted, it was a drug test for like I think it's ADHD medication, so I'm fine with not like caring. Um, she's on a pretty good run. She's been she's done pretty good at bantamweight. In the UFC, she came in at flyweight, and she went like what two-two and one at flyweight. after losing to Manon Fior, went all right, fine, I'll move back up to bantamweight. Hadn't lost since. Um, and she had the no contest with Holly Holm, but the official result, she ninja choked Holly in the second round, like 38 seconds into the second round. I I don't have a lot here. I'm going with Buena Silva because I don't rate Rocky Pennington very highly. And I'm not, I'm obviously not the biggest fan of Buena Silva, but I'll go with her. I, I this fight means nothing to me. It means the world, whoever wins the belt, because they get paid more. And bless them for that. Too many fighters, loo- uh, you know, the UFC does not pay its fighters appropriately. I'll beat that drum when the occasion comes up, and sorry, that's just how I, that's how the math works out on that for me. But this division is terrible. It's in a very, very terrible spot, as evidenced by this fight being for the title. So I'm going with uh, Buena Silva. Um, The official odds are leaning towards Buena Silva. Yeah, that all tracks. I mean, it's possible. Okay, how is if Raquel Pennington's going to win this, how is she going to win? She's going to lose the first two rounds, then just kind of gut through and either win the last three or get Buena Silva to gas out and finish her late. That's how Raquel Pennington wins this fight if she wins it. And you know what? In fairness to Raquel Pennington, that is there is a greater than zero percent chance that happens. And probably by a decent margin. But I'm going with Silva. Alright, next up. Welterweight fight here. This one is another one I'm kind of I'm kind of leery on picking. I would not make a bet on this fight. Look, first of all. I have like one card in my sample size. Do not take betting advice from me. I say that every time. But there's a few too many unknowns around this one for me to feel like I would be okay laying a wager. We have Neil Magny and Mike Malott. Now, why does this fight bother you, Robert? Well, here's the thing about this one. Mike Malott has looked pretty darn good thus far. He has lost once in his entire career, that was October of 2014, so not quite ten years, but nine and change, when he lost to Hakeem Dawadu. He then had a draw, the immediate fight after that, he then took off two years, came back, well, not quite two years, Um, what, one and five months-ish, give or take? So call it 18 months for the sake of conversation. And he hasn't lost since. That includes three wins in the UFC. All of them finishes. Now, what gives me a bit of pause here is his wins in the UFC are over Mickey Gall, Johan Lainus, and Adam Fugit. The golf fight took place in April of 2022. The other two were last year. Now, I get it. You got to get off that Contender Series contract as soon as you can. Because those things are not great. And they won't renegotiate that until they have to. But Neil Magny is a definitive step up in class for Mike Millant. Why I feel weird about this on the other side is Neil Magny, for those of you who don't know, um, I used to have a gimmick, because I lost a bet, where I referred to Neil Magny as future UFC welterweight champion. And then it stopped being quite a gimmick and started being, no, he's actually got a bunch of these skills. And then it turned into, he's got very good skills, but he always stumbles. At the wrong time like he had a good streak going and then he kind of got run over by Damian Maya. then he rebounded one three in a row and then Lorenz Larkin leg kicked him and elbowed him into oblivion then he beats Johnny Hendrix and he gets run over by Rafael dos Andres. then he wins a couple of fights then he gets stopped by Santiago Pantonebio then he wins a few fights then he loses then he wins a couple of fights Then he loses currently He's traded wins and losses while going three and three in his last six. Now, those wins are over Max Griffin, Daniel Rodriguez, and Philip Rowe. Two of those are split decisions. I thought he won both of them, but should be noted. The losses are to Shavkat Rachmanov, who I will say that future champion, Gilbert Burns, who's just really darn good, and Ian Machado-Gary, a fight he took, a fight uh, Magny took on short notice. Might not have ever been a good fight for him anyway, but two of those guys are very, very good. One of them, the UFC really likes. Neil Magny has never lost two fights. He has not lost two fights in a row since 2013. This man is, and that was like August and yeah, August and November of 13. Those were his second and third UFC fights. He has not had a legitimate losing streak in over a decade he has been a model of consistency but he is 36 and not only is he 36 he had, this is his 40th professional fight and by the way the vast majority of those have been in the ufc he came into the ufc for his ninth fight So, currently, 39 fights. 30 of those have been in the UFC. 31, maybe. Forgive my math being terrible. You have like 31, 32 UFC fights. That just wears you down, man. And you're now 36. 36. That's usually, it's entirely possible that we're at the point in time when Neil Magny is going to start declining, which I think is part of the reason this fight's being made. I don't think the UFC is straight up looking to cash out Neil Magny, but before he really, if he is going into decline, they would like to get something out of him for an up-and-comer while there's still some value to beating Neil Magny. And I think Mike Mallott is someone that has legitimate upside, but he's taken a pretty big step up in class, and Magny's at a point when he might be slipping, but he's also been really consistent. And that's a rough those are sometimes those are very those are easier fights to pick. In this case, I think it's a bit rough to accurately predict. Magny still struggles with uh, leg kicks, especially calf kicks. Malott's powerful. I can see this going either way. Part of my... I'm hemming and hawing a little bit. Let me tell you this. The odds... Um, the odds are minus 340... Minus, they're in the minus 300 range for Mike Malott. I have no problem thinking Mike Malott will win this fight. But if you're prepared to pay out plus 250-ish on Neil Magny being a just still being good enough to turn back a young guy who's taking a bit who's stepping a bit too far right now, as a as a betting site you're asking for trouble. So I'm not saying bet on Neil Magny, especially not if you can't afford to lose. But if I were gambling and I were looking for value, dude, two to one on Neil Magny, that that's tempting, and which is part of the reason, like, bet, like, part of the reason betting lines are where are where they are is designed to get you to bet. So, ultimately, I'm going to pick Malat. I. I, I do not feel as confident as the odds makers do. I can see Neil Magny having a rough round, but being able to slow things down, land the jab, clinch up, and just stop Mike Malott from doing... We've not seen Malott have to do something other than his A game. If his A game doesn't work, what does he do? And that's a legitimate question. Maybe Magny can make him answer it, and maybe he has a very good answer. That's entirely possible. But i old with him a lot. And he's 32. He's not exactly a spring chicken. But 32 and 36 is a, especially with Magny's like just been in the UFC forever, man. That's. This is. A, I can understand picking Magny. I really can, and I. I am not selling him short. I do think, though, that if he's going to start slipping, Malot, if he is slipping, Malot will be able to demonstrate that. And uh, so I'm going with Malot. Again, I i do not feel super confident in that pick, but... And, Dude, anytime you offer that much plus money on Neil Magny, you, again, you might be asking for trouble. Just throwing that one out there. Uh, all right, next up. Middleweights. Chris Curtis, the action man, against Marc-Andre Berrio. This will probably be a fun fight. Um, Barrio is fairly high activity. Um, it used to be the case that he just would lose the first two rounds and then if would try to get you out of there in the third, he's shored up some stuff. Um, his last couple of fights have been pretty, he's, he's definitely matured. Um, he's taken a step up here a little bit. His current two fight winning streak is a finish over Julian Marquez and then a decision over Eric Anders. He went a little bit life and death with Eric Anders. Um, Going life and death with Chris Curtis is asking for trouble. Now, Curtis had that loss to Kelvin Gastelum that he probably should have won, but they missed the headbutt. He had the no contest with Nasruddin Imavov because of the clash of heads, which was the right call, but unfortunate for all parties. I think pretty highly of Chris Curtis. He... I'm not sitting here saying future champion, but I rate him fairly highly. I do not think Marc-Andre Berrio is a bum. I think Curtis's defense and counter-punching will give Barrio problems. Now, if Berrio can push a high pace, he might be able to melt Curtis late. But I'm okay picking Curtis here. And odds, just for the sake of consideration. Odds lean towards Chris Curtis. Not huge, but they lean that way. So I'm going with Curtis, but if I'm going to circle a fight here and go, boy, I'm looking forward to this, it's actually these next two. Not that I'm not looking forward to the main event, but... Curtis and Barrio is... that You could easily main event a fight night with that and get a pretty good fight. Kicking off the main card, we've got a very good featherweight fight. Between Arnold Allen and Movsar Evloev. Now Arnold Allen took a step up in class his last time out. He had not lost in the UFC. His big his big hamper had been activity. He came into the UFC in two thousand fifteen and fought once. And he fought once in sixteen, once in seventeen, once in eighteen, twice in nineteen, once in twenty, once in twenty-one, twice in twenty-two, and then only once in twenty-three. So He's been with the UFC longer than you think, but he's a once or twice a year guy. And some of that is over a year in terms of his layoffs. He was, yeah, February of 16 to March of 17 to May of 18 to March of 19 to, no then he fought again in July of 19, so decent. But not again until January of 2020, not again until April of 21. Okay, pandemic might have screwed. Pandemic definitely screwed him up a little bit on that, but um, then not until March of 22. So his last fight, April of 23. So again, we're in 10-ish months. Certainly eight. So it's, the activity has been a problem. Um and dude, I'm not going to shame anyone for losing to Max Holloway. He had some stuff for Max. He fought very well in that fight. Um but, you know, I also lost what four of the five rounds. Late he tried to turn it into a brawl and had moments of success before Max went, "Oh, so we're doing this." And then Max is Max. <laughs> about stuff like that. Evloev is Undefeated, 17-0, strong grappler. Pretty good overall. He's getting the step up here. As, he's getting the step up here. Should be noted. Um, his yeah. UFC wins are over Seung wu Choi, Enrique Barzola, Mike Grundy, Nick Lentz, Hakeem Dawoodoo, Dan Ige, and Diego Lopez. Now, the Diego Lopez fight was supposed to be against Bryce Mitchell. Um I think if Loya feels bad about that one, because that was right before the wheels kinda came off for Mitchell. And I I would I favored him to beat Mitchell. Um so he's getting a step up against Allen who is a much tougher Allen's a much tougher fight than Bryce Mitchell. I'm not hating on Bryce. I just that's where they are at this point. This is a very good fight. Another one I can see both guys winning. Allen's got good leg kicks. Um, pretty good counter-wrestling. Uh, he's a very fundamentally sound fighter. But... Evloev's grappling is very good. He's pretty relentless about it. If this were five rounds, I would pick Allen. Uh, let me state that. If this were five rounds... I would pick Arnold Allen. I think over five rounds, his game works better, especially against Evloev. Over three, I'm going with Evloev. Another close one. This a very well matched main card. The official odds. The odds are kind of not with me actually. They're leaning towards Evloev. I can see Allen winning this fight. Uh, that's a very real possibility. This is a and this is a big step up for Evloev. Um, Diego Lopez turns out to be a lot better than most people gave him credit for, but going from a debutante to a guy who just fought Max Holloway, it's a step up. I think this is a test he can pass, but sleep on Arnold, on Arnold Allen at your peril. Um, that's where I'm landing on that. All right, that's your main card. Pretty solid pay-per-view. Pretty solid pay-per-view. Um... As for the rest of this, uh, I need topology. (laughs) So um, we have Brad Katona, who has the dubious distinction of being the only guy to win the ultimate fighter twice. Congratulations, you weren't good enough the first time. Um, He beat Cody Gibson. Bit of an upset, actually, beating Gibson. Uh, That was a pretty good fight. Uh, That was August of last year. Now he's fighting Garrett Armfield. UFC soft-touching him a little bit. Armfield, 9-3. 1-1 one one in the UFC. Lost to David Onama. Had a couple of fights fall through. And then fought Toshiomi Kazuma. This is not a soft touch. I do think this is Katona-favored. Um, there's some Canadians on this card that... And some of them, I don't like their chances. Some of them are clearly here to kind of pop the territory, right? This feels a little bit like, hey, let's, you know, let's give one of these Canadians a slightly surer thing. Uh, So I will go with Katona there. Uh, He is the favorite. Um, I'll make a slightly more... Uh, heavy on him than I am here, but not by a whole lot. Uh, featherweight. This is a good fight. We have uh, Charles Jordan against Sean Woodson. Now Jordan, current two-fight winning streak over Crone Gracie, and one of the none of this is Jordan's fault, but that Crone Gracie fight was absolutely one of the worst fights of last year. He also choked out uh, Ricardo Hamosh. Does he prefer Ricardo Hamos? I forget. Some of those Brazilian guys prefer that you do the R instead of the H. Um, it's a case. Like, like, like Ronnie Yaya actually preferred Ronnie Yaya instead of Hani. Um, but I think he still prefers the Brazi- the Brazilian Portuguese pronunciation. So forgive me if I'm incorrect. Uh, Jordan's been a bit up and down in the UFC. Um, but Four and two in his last six. Losses to Shane Burgos and Nathaniel Wood. Two very good guys. Um, Woodson's a guy who's been making a little bit of... I mean, Woodson's insane. Dude's six, two and fights at featherweight. I don't know how he does it, but he uh, that man is shredded. He has not even... He can't even look at a carbohydrate. <laughs> um... But he's got a 78 inch reaching and he's six two. That makes sense. He enormous frame for the division. Um, his only loss in the UFC is to Julian Arosa. Um, he had a split draw with Luis Saldana. After that, he beat Dennis Bautista, um, which is a pretty good win. And again, UFC record, what four one and one. Jordan's fought the better level of competition than Woodson. That absolutely needs to be stated. Here's kind of the thing, though. Um, Jordan's grappling is more reactive than proactive, which is just a tactical choice. If Woodson fights long, he's really going to give Jordan problems. Jordan likes to be the more technical guy, but if he can't pot shot Woodson, he will be in for a really long night. Um, the step up in class is definitely a factor. here. Jordan has fought better guys and beaten better guys. Woodson's also a bit slow. Some of that's a byproduct of his frame and the weight cut he's accurate um but jordan is going to have faster hands so that could be a problem uh, i don't know jordan's the favorite so gonna sway me here it, the odds don't sway me if i actually like if i have a good read on something um and maybe i'm right maybe i'm wrong relative to the upset but if i don't have a very good read they are a factor like there's people paid to try and suss this stuff out because if they're wrong they lose a lot of money If Jordan's wrestling were better, this would be an easier pick. <laughs> um, but a lot of his stuff is again, its reactive, which is fine. But I don't know what happens to him if he starts getting lit up on the outside. I don't know. Woodson's not been great about managing range all the time. Of course, he's a decent pocket fighter. He's just a bit too accommodating of how his opponent likes to fight at times. That might be the deciding factor, that Woodson is just a... You know what? No, I'm going with Woodson. I might be very wrong here. I, I don't know how Jordan deals with someone with these physical dimensions. He might have a very good answer, and I feel like a complete buffoon, but... And again, I don't have a great read on this, but... I don't know. I, In the time it takes Jordan to get a feel on how he's going to be able to close distance, I think he might be in trouble during that time. Just a thought. Again, maybe very, very wrong. And once again, for legal purposes, and for my own conscience, do not take b- gambling advice from me. Sorry, this is taking way too long. Um, bantamweight. A couple of debutantes here, I believe. Um, we have... Oh, Seri Sidi. Sidi? I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's last name. I'll, I'll go with Sidi until I hear it pronounced and just pretend I'm not a three-year-old asking for cider, please. Um, he's 10-1. and one, UFC debut, won on the Contender Series. What, five-fight winning streak? Six. It's a rematch? Yeah, he beat this guy on the Contender Series. Was he supposed to fight somebody else? Um, no. This was just always this fight. Okay then. Um, he is fighting. Uh, let's see, Ramon Taveras, who is nine and two, will be coming off the loss to. Uh side, you know, actually he uh, he had another contender series fight The next month actually jeez, he missed wait for that um, First fight did he I think got stopped how did how did he turn around in a month? Scored a quick win in that one um, And that leads us to our current rematch Is that a weird stoppage, I don't really watch the contender series and well, maybe I should uh, most of the odds favor a repeat of their first fight. I'll go with that. I do not know enough about this to have a more informed opinion than the odds makers. Uh, let's see. We've then got Jillian Robertson and Pollyanna Viana. Um, Robertson lost to Tabitha Ricci last time out. She's only 12-8. and eight. Two-fight winning streak before that. Um... Yeah, but three and four in the last seven. And dude, she lost. Oh, she beat Priscilla Casuea. Yeah, because Casuea tried to eye gouge her. Oh, that was ugly. Should have cost Casuea her spot on the roster. Um, is she at straw weight for this. Yeah, she is. Those were at flyweight. Having come back to straw weight, she's one and one. Beat Piera Rodriguez, and then just got out grappled by uh, Ricci. Vianna. Uh, Not a... She's, what, four and five in the UFC? This seems like they kind of want to give a Canadian a win here. I'm, I'm going with Robertson. She might be fading and might be past it. She's taken a lot of abuse, but... I think she's still got enough for this one. Uh, let's see. Next up, Welterweight, Johan Lainus, who we talked a little bit about earlier, and Sam Patterson. Um, Lanis he's what, 1-1 in the UFC or 1-2? Beat, uh, Lost to Gabe Green, beat Darian Weeks, split decision, then lost to Mike Malott. Not exactly distinguished thus far. And Patterson 10-2 and 1. Lost his UFC debut to Yanel Ashmuz. Um boy do I not have a good read on this one. Not been impressed with Lanus. Um he is a slight favorite though. Wait, Patterson moving up? Was he a lightweight before? That might impact how I feel about this. He was supposed to fight Nasrat Hakparast. That would have been a lightweight. Yeah, he's moving up. Huh. That is a bit on the interesting side. That's enough to make me lean Lanus. Not a lot. But the jump between welterweight, the gap between lightweight and welterweight is not trivial. Um, I don't feel great about that one, for the record. Uh, women's flyweight, Jasmine, Davisius, and Priscilla Cachoea. At this point, y'all kind of know my deal. I do not pick Priscilla Cachoea to win, and I do not think she should be in the UFC. So, Jazdavisius. Which may be just my prejudice against Cachoea, but that's... That's where I am. Um... It is not at all impossible for a Kesheva to win this fight. I just don't pick her to win fights. And kicking everything off at flyweight, Malcolm X Gordon. Not that he is a former Gordon. His middle name is just his uh, fight nickname is just the letter X. I imagine uh, Elon Musk will send him a cease and desist letter at some point. He's two and four in the UFC. um, Two fight losing streak to Muhammad Makayev. He fought well against Mikhayev in places, but uh, Jake Hadley then stopped him. Sumudarji stopped him. Amir al- I mean, look, Amir al is very good. Um, he's fighting Jimmy Flick. I Man, I don't know how to feel about Jimmy Flick these days. Gordon might just be having arrived at that position where I don't ever feel comfortable picking him, but Flick had a really rough fight his last time out. Um, Because he fought... He lost his last two, Charles Johnson and then Alessandro Costa. It is possible for him to win this fight. I don't know how much I like his chances, though. It's not that Gort, Gordon is not a big threat with damage, though. Something to consider. Gordon's going to get on top, probably, because Fleck will pull guard. All right, you know what? I'm going to pick Fleck. If he loses, though, this will probably be the last time for the foreseeable future I pick Jimmy Flick to want to fight. Um, I've just not been A lot of how where Gordon found like bits of success against Makayev was more Makayev's limitations. So I think the odds are with Gordon. Yeah, not much. I'm going with Flick. Again, this this is kind of his last my last time picking him if he loses but i'm okay dying on that particular hill if i have a terrible week of picks and i have a terrible week of picks so be it that is ufc 297 saturday i will have you covered in the mma zone of 411mania.com as always stop by say hello i appreciate the heck out of it all right Let's move on, shall we? Yeah, that took a bit too long, didn't it? But eh, if I'm going to be a bit more analytical about some of the stuff, then that's how the cookie's going to crumble a bit. All right, let's move on to some fight announcements. I referenced it already, but... Uh, Dustin Poirier and Benoit Saint-Denis was announced for UFC 299. This will is currently scheduled to be your co-main event. Dude, UFC 299 is stacked. That is a very, very, very good card. Um, I think the odds on that opened with Poirier as a slight dog, which I understand. Um, But, I mean, I'm not going to talk more. That's a very good fight. That's high-quality violence. Um, Poirier can win that fight. He can thump. He's a veteran. If this were five rounds, I would pick Poirier. I would already be leaning Poirier. Over three, that's tougher because I'm telling you, man, a lot of guys looked at Saint-Denis when he was at when he took that short notice fight at welterweight against a, one of the better guys in the division and lost bad. And unringing that bell of your first impression is tough. It's really, really tough. But if you've got a bit more of an analytical and a critical eye, Benoit saint is very much someone you should not be sleeping on. So that's a good fight. Again, 2.99 really, really stacked. Um, our series of main events for fight nights, uh, we got... This is the one Dana White announced with a straight face. Um, tai Tuivasa and Marcin Tabor for UFC and ESPN Plus 97. Your crappy Apex card headlined by a crappy heavyweight fight. What do you want me to say? A fight that doesn't suck uh, for UFC and ESPN plus 98. Rose Nama Yunus continuing her flyweight campaign against Amanda Hibos. Um Rose did not look great when she fought Manon Fior. Um, Rose might need a turnaround here. And that's a very winnable fight for Rose. But if she is kind of If she's lost it, if she's slipping, um, that will be a big win for Hibas. So throwing that, no issues with that, that's a good main event for a fight night. And another main event for a fight night, UFC on ESPN Plus 99, uh, Sean Brady and Vicente Luque. That's a pretty good fight. Um, Brady had a tough loss, but he rebounded well um luke 32 but that man's been in some wars he beat half DoS dosanjos his last time out he had that scare with his brain um this will be more than the last one kind of an acid test for sean brady um luke's got a good front headlock game and a lot of brady's takedowns put him in position for that five rounds is a big deal um, I don't think Brady's ever been five. He's been scheduled for five before. He's been into the fourth on the regional scene. Okay, that's not nothing. Um, Luque's fought. He's made a at a handful of times. He um, had a handful? double check that. Once. Twice. The RDA fight was a main event. Um... Really, that's it. Could have sworn there was some earlier. Nah. So twice, he's been scheduled for five. Both of those went five. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, But that's a, that's a relevant fight. That's a relevant fight for Welter, right? Um, Luke, we're not quite sure if he's coming or going. Brady, this is going to kind of determine, like, hey, we you stumbled against Bilal Muhammad pretty badly. Have you really fixed that? We really rebounded here, so. Um, No real complaints about that one. Um, I think that was it for those. So I wanted to kind of keep, somewhat jokingly, UFC 300 as its own thing. But let's keep that as its own thing. So UFC 300 got a couple of more fights announced. Um, It got a title fight announced, not as the main event, but for the women's strawweight title, Wei Li Zhong and uh, Yan Shao Nan. Um, not sure why that's happening in Vegas. I don't know. This is your first um, Chinese fighter versus Chinese fighter for a UFC title fight. Not putting that in China seems odd. The UFC was supposed to go back to China, I think Shanghai in particular, last year. That fell apart. We're not sure why, but it fell apart. If there's something going on there, then okay. But if that was at all possible, this is a fight that should have been held on Chinese soil. Um, it's a good enough fight. It's the champion and the number one contender. I don't know how much I like Zhang's chances, or excuse me, Yan's chances. Um, I, I like Zhang's chances quite a bit. But we'll see. Um, it also got some car, some fights to fill out different parts of the undercard. Lightweight, Charles Oliveira, and Armin Saryukian. That's a big one. That's a big test for Armin Saryukian. Um Saryukian had a good win over Benil Daryush, but you step into a former champion. And one of the more, pro, the most prolific finisher that the UFC has seen. You're taking a big step up. If Oliveira wants another shot at the belt, got to turn him back. There's stuff that Sayukian does that has troubled Oliveira. At the same time, man, Oliveira is just a dynamo on offense. So that's a big one. Um, and a bantamweight fight davison Figueroa, former flyweight champion gets his wish and will fight former bantamweight champion cody garbrandt garbrandt looked okay against uh, brian kelleher suffered, struggled with the calf kicks and got hit a little bit this is a rough fight for garbrandt davison Figueroa looked very good when he fought a bantamweight against rob font he filled out very well kept his punching power He's a physical force his defense will have to be on point because garbrandt still packs a wallop but there's a lot about that fight that is um that's that could be a very difficult night for garbrandt so ufc 300 starting to fill out look here's the thing about 300 the ufc made a big deal dana white came out publicly and said you're not going to believe how great this is from the first fight of the night On the first prelim fight, it's just going to escalate all the way to the main event, and it's going to blow the door. And then everybody kind of did a head count who pays attention to this stuff and went, you don't really have that, as far as we can tell. They're going to probably put heavy pressure on the winner of... We're not sure what Adasanya's return timeline is. He's hinted it's not impossible for 300, but it's unlikely. They might put pressure on whoever wins out of uh, Strickland and DDP to make a slightly unreasonable turnaround for 300. They might do the same for Volkanovski and Teporia, but I don't think they have a ready-made number one contender there um sean brady's fighting at 299 and 299 is stacked man that's a better card on paper than 300 right now and i think it probably will be when it's all said and done too but so i don't know they're still filling it out we'll see what they can do um garbrandt and figueredo is a you know, that's a rough fight for garbrandt i think but not going to complain about that. I'm not going to complain about Wei Li Zhang and Yan Xiaonan and Oliver and Saryuki. And, like, yes, please. That's a great fight. That's a really good fight. So, we will keep our eyes on UFC 300 in particular because it seems only fair that we do so. Okay, uh, I think that's everything I had listed here. So, let me check Twitter, see if anything crazy is broken. If not, we will do plugs and get out of here. Yep, there we go um plugs um okay let me start off with uh, a couple of fights i watched that i did not cover over the weekend um even if you're not the biggest fan of boxing in the world one watch Artur Beterbiev because he's awesome and he he's awesome okay watch Beterbiev. you'll you'll thank me Second, um, on the undercard of, he had a fight on the um, same night as the UFC event. It actually, UFC event actually ended in time for me to catch the last two rounds of the other fight I'm going to recommend, and then uh, had no problem with the main event. But do yourself a serious favor here. Find, uh, is it Joe Maloney or Jacob? He Joseph Maloney. No, that is uh, no, I'm gonna double check this. Yep. Yeah, sorry, Jason Maloney. Jeez, for some reason I forgot his first name. Um, Jason Maloney and Saul Sanchez. Um, from the undercard of that fight, uh, that fight event on Saturday. Super early, but boy, is that a boxing contender for fight of the year already wonderful 12-round fight. Go watch it. Thank me later. Um, And uh, I I think you'll appreciate it. Uh, Great fight. Um, As for the other stuff I'm doing this week, if MLW has a show, I will be covering it on Thursday, um, Monday, so probably the same day you're listening to this, statistically at least. Uh, Myself and Mark Radlitz will be getting together on Damn You Hollywood to review The Beekeeper which is just Jason Statham doing Jason Statham things. Full Review Monday. Tune in. At this point, I'm convinced that show only exists so Mark can do a dance about some movie finally knocking Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania out of the list of, like, highest-grossing movies from 2023. Because Wonka crossed $500 and that was... Ant-Man and the Wasp was hanging on at like 470 something And you might be going, but it's made all this money this year. No, look, for those of you who keep track of this stuff, we track by the movie's release. Movie releases in 2023. Even if it makes most of its money in 2024, it still goes on the highest grossing of 2023 because release date. So Mark's going to be happy about that because for some unknown reason for the last like eight months, well, not eight months, Four months. He's been looking at the top ten movies for 2023 and looking at Ant-Man and the Wasp there at number ten and just being like, "Die, damn you, die." So, but we'll review The Beekeeper and we'll do the whole "Damn you, Hollywood" thing. If you listen to that show, first of all, bless you, thank you. Um, it will be live 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, wherever else we stream live on the uh, W2M Network family of podcasts so go over there give that a listen um ww smackdown on friday per usual and then the UFC, ufc 270 excuse me 297 on saturday we will be back here next week to review ufc 297 no preview again i think the ufc is avoiding the royal rumble which will be the 27th um but again they'll be back the week after so we're the podcast should be pretty weekly going forward Unless something really weird happens. That's, uh, that's how we're looking. All right. That's it for me. So thank you. I appreciate all of you listening more than you know. So anything you can do to help the show as always. Um, yeah, that's it for me this week. Looking forward to 297. Looking forward to talking, uh, talking about it with all of you next week. Until then, thanks. Stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.